Pigeons 420. Mr. Grow It. And Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle TV. From the Stash Podcast. From the Stash Podcast, welcome back. We are finally here. It's your boy Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle TV. Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Grow It and Pigeons 420. We are here. How's it going, guys? What's Ooh, up? Pretty damn good. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in forever. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> digging the shirt, Chris, digging the tea. I feel like oh. I just sent it to you. I'm just like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Chill tech. Oh, where am I? <sighs> that way. Yeah, big shout <laughs> out to chill tech. You know, a lot of times we got positive things to talk about in episodes. A lot of times we got things that are very happy most times. Other than maybe once we talked about something versus creators that was not so great, but Mm-hmm. This one kind of is going to start out in that that area, but it, it gets better. It gets better. Stick along. You know, obviously stay stay here. But if you're in the U.S., you may have heard about this little thing we got called the war on drugs. Unfortunately, it's a real thing. And whether you live in a different country or you live in the U.S., you probably have been affected by it in some way. And unfortunately, this is something that a lot of times hasn't been really justly done. And how it's been put into our life really is something that some people may agree with. I don't know many. Most people are probably going to disagree with. In this episode, we're going to kind of go over some landmark times that affected this whole unfortunate war and uh, where things are now, where it's gone from and, and to where it's going. So, yeah, let's get right into it. Yeah. And and for me, I, you know, I actually don't know too much about the history behind all of this. Um, so for me, for, for this episode, I'm going to be learning a lot, I feel like, especially since Pigeons has a lot of knowledge on this. Rob, yeah. you've done your homework. You know all about this. Um, I'll probably be asking some questions to you guys throughout this episode, which I think would be good. Um, good. But yeah, for the most part, uh, I think it's uh, you guys are going to be running this one. I think it's absolutely crazy to think that it's 2021 in like just a little while here. And there is still such a thing as a war on drugs. We've put men on the moon. We've got rockets that land themselves back on Earth after they send people to space. But yet people are still going to jail for weed. Uh, it, it, it is it is incredible. It's incredible. And to think that this really all starts based on, you know, uh, intimidation, um, whether it's compensation for uh, the small penis club. I don't know (laughs) if you want to kind of label, you know, uh, Mr. Ainslinger, uh, the original uh, crusader that really, really uh, brought all the negative attraction of uh, towards cannabis from the American government. And it's it's just gnarly to see that how one country who gains so much influence in the world can have such an impact at pushing misinformation, propaganda, and misguiding our children for their future and, and, and just the damage that that can cause all together. So, yeah, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. And uh, it, all, yeah. it all involves cannabis. Well, on behalf of Americans that I know, we don't claim that man. We, we is not our people. <laughs> You can take him to a different country. He is not ours. Wherever he originally came from, go back. Because, well, now obviously now he's not there, but his people. Eh. The main thing is, you know, the, the people in power, when they put these things in place, no matter what your ethical feeling is, no matter where you stand, no matter what it comes down to, you don't have a choice. You have to follow these laws. And, you know, one law that I can go back on that I, I know about off the top of the head a little bit, at least is the bullshit tax against marijuana that initially came out in 1937. And that was... I. I believe marijuana tax. Yeah, I believe wasn't that marijuana just kind of shit on 
uh, hemp. As, as essentially, it, it, it controlled the regulation of cannabis. You could possess cannabis if you received a stamp from the government. Um, however, the government handed out zero stamps. So it was essentially the very first uh, restriction or prohibition against cannabis. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I heard was that there was, um, and this may or may not be true, is that uh, plastics were created around the same time. And the reason why, one of the reasons why that this was all passed was because there was com some competition between, um, you know, hemp having the same uses as some of the plastics. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, pigeons is... I, I, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I, when it comes to a lot of this information, a lot of it's just uh, digging off of just the information that I've learned over the years. And, and anything that I, I, I can tie most of my information back to is based on the intimidation of, of the Mexican working class that was working in the United States in the early 1930s or in the early 1900s. Um, they were bringing their 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 wacky weed or whatever you want to refer to it as from home and and using it after work. They were working in the fields and they would use it as a way to relax and 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 um, kind of unwind from the day. And people were intimidated by this, and they they essentially they were taking work away from Americans and and and, and it, it was it was the first kind of way to to penalize Mexicans for their conduct. And uh, in, terms of, in terms of plastics or, or other sources, I, I'm not too sure, but essentially a lot of this stems on racism. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people, they will attribute things to different industries like cotton, plastics, things like that. Even cement, I've heard before people talk about that. It just, or concrete. It just depends on, you know, what research you're looking into. You know, I know that a lot of this goes comes down to opinion because the government's not going to say, hey, we did this to fuck over a race or because we had influence from lobbyists from these industries to do. They put it in place and, and no matter what our opinion is, we can't do anything about it. And that's the most frustrating thing. I mean, I guess we can. We can vote the right people in, but sometimes who you want to vote in doesn't necessarily uh, align with the belief system with the masses. Like you fast forward to 1970, a lot of people thought Nixon was going to be that guy. So I guess I don't know why they did, but some people did until he signed in the Controlled Substance Act, which you know, certain controlled substance makes sense, of course, until you talk about classifying, you know, the beautiful sweet leaf herb as number one. Right in the mix is the worst. It's addictive. It's so bad. It's going to ruin people's lives. Like, it's amazing that anyone with a brain, scientists, medical professionals, anyone would classify cannabis as a schedule one narcotic. It's amazing. And then something like codeine down number five, that I, I know people who abuse that way more. Like, I mean, it's insane. There's been deaths. Well, it, wasn't, it wasn't scientists and it wasn't intelligent uh, uh, intellects that were passing these policies. It was, it was our politicians. It's important to note that the war on drugs was, was ill-named from the start. I believe it was uh, Woody Harrelson that once said that it, 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 was, it was a war on non-corporated drugs. Uh, you still have alcohol and tobacco. Your number one killing, your two number one, your two leading killing, death causing um, uh, products that are fully unregulated and at, at, at full exposure to children at really any rate. These were well established companies, they were well incorporated. Um, I, I do think that the argument that Chris mentioned in terms of 
the intimidation of a of of plastics to to the hemp industry certainly could have been an argument there um because as cannabis is obviously a de- derivative of hemp uh you, you're going to have intimidation there and maybe some regulatory um intimidation or backing by these corporations to these politicians. So there is an argument to think that there'd be influenced by uh, outside factors, but it's important to know that it wasn't a war on drugs. There's a handful of drugs that get thrown into this mix. This is just a war on non-corporated drugs. For the most part. I mean, you look at things that were pushed through like really fucked up is having mandatory sentencing in certain scenarios that are a joke and no knock warrants. That's definitely an issue. We know recently we've had, there's a big, big scenario that's gone on with the no-knock warrants. People just walking into houses. And if you're an American, you have the right to bear arms. And somebody walks into my house, they might catch something, whether it's fists or something more than that, we'll say. And no-knock warrants don't work for me. That's crazy that someone would implement that and put that out there as a thing, you know, and think that that's okay to uh, allow, and especially in a country like the U.S., where we're in a, a state to bear arms, you know, we're in a place that people are going to protect their ho- their home and their assets. And you're going to just allow anyone to come in your house. It's not anyone. It's police, obviously. But you don't know in the middle of the night. So putting that in 1971, that's definitely a long time ago. You think about it. Not everybody has that. States obviously change what they want to do. But I know Kentucky is one that has had that. My, I got an uncle who lives out there and got family who lives there. And there's a lot of debate when it comes into that. I see the argument, I guess, for it if you're trying to be sneaky. But we're not the place to do that. Then you fast forward to 1973 when things got even more like militarized in a sense and even more weird is when the DEA was put out there once the Drug Enforcement Agency became a thing. And that's uh, Nixon, of course. He seemingly pushed very, very heavy on all this stuff. I don't know if there was outside influence or what, but the guy's known for some corruption. And funny enough, so his domestic uh, policy chief, John, I'll butcher the name. That's what I do. Take a dab every time I butcher a name. It's Elcherman. Uh, Elcherman? in Harper Magazine, whatever. So he explained that Nixon had two enemies, and this is, quote, the anti-war left and black people. He said that we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt both those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. That's just like, it grinds my gears even reading. It literally makes my stomach hurt. Like my chest tenses when I read it. It's like, that's, is that real? Or is it somebody who just was mad at Nixon after the fact or what? But it sounds very Nixon-y from the history books. Yeah, that's that's pretty harsh. I mean, from, from the very little I know, um, one thing I do know is Nixon was the harshest, right? Arguably the harshest out of all, like, you know, the presidents we've, we've had. Um, he was very against it, very against it. Um, and then you kind of fast forward into, um, you know, the, the mid seventies and Jimmy Carter, uh, when he's campaigning to decriminalize cannabis, right? Well, it's like, well, I it, think, is it because of political reasons? Because the guy you just had before that is against a huge population of the you know, country and you may be able to get these other people being like, Hey, I'm for the plant. I'm for the plant. But let's, where did the actions go? <coughs> Pigeons, you may well, know more about important. that. Well, I just think it's it's important whether it's a political shift or a cultural shift. Up until the 1970s, you were being inundated with propaganda. That's when you were having reefer madness. That's when people, the government, was telling you that if you ingested cannabis, you were going to be you were going to be. They had a spiritual you turn twist into on a it as rapist. Well. You'd be in the, shit as soon as you smoke a joint in the grips of Satan. 
Um, it was it was the gateway drug for our children. Um, Dare. You know, they campaigned on the fact that uh, that heroin addicts became heroin addicts because they tried cannabis. So by the time you get to the 70s and you get a guy like Nixon who now becomes hard on drugs because you've got a, you've got a country that's shifting and you, you, you had an entire generation of the 60s that used the plant, questioned why they're being told from their educational sources and from their government that it is such a horrible plant, but yet you've got you've got musicians and you've got actors and you've got a lot of artists that are using it as a as a, as a way for to inspire to in in um, incite creativity. So, but come the seventies, you've got a you've got a government that's trying it is is on its grasp. It's on its last last leg to try to make a real impact on the cultural shift that's happening to just tell people that if you use drugs, we will find you. Uh, it, it was destined to see that these people were going to get a little bit older and then question. And then, of course, moving slowly forward, you then start to see a lot of this. these actions. You start to see cannabis use. You start to see references in movies and film and, and, in, and in music. And, and so this, this shift starts to happen. And of course, we all know that government is a very slow moving body to begin with. So it's not going to catch up very fast, especially when a lot of these representatives are much older than the general population. Uh, they're going to, they're, they're going to lag. And so needless to say, I don't think it's a political or an outside force. I think you more see a cultural force. They're People are tired of being lied to and they're in their face while seeing the exact opposite. So, and then that I, I believe that that's what starts to lead into a, a Carter administration that would then start to promote the, the, the decriminalization or the, the regulation of cannabis on some level. Well, and it seems oh, yeah. like things shifted differently. The attack of was the hippies on LSD with the Manson family and things like that. And it went from cannabis to being LSD and, and mind-altering substances that are deeper. That was more of the worry, not necessarily cannabis. And I think that a lot of it is pop, pop culture. You know, they've made it really soft and bubbly and funny with Cheech and Chong. And it's, ha, 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 look at these goofy stoners, you know. Totally different feeling than what it was years prior. There was nothing at all you'd see like that. Maybe someone would smoke a marijuana cigarette but it wasn't in a funny sense, you know? Some of these ads, and I know we have, I know we have uh, some younger audience that uh, a lot of this happened before, uh, you know, they were born, uh, myself included. But if you Google, if you YouTube, search on YouTube, Reefer Madness ads, <laughs> some of it you actually think that it's fake because it's just so ludicrous. It's some of the things that they were it. saying. Uh, it, it's out of control. So if you ever want to, this played laugh about on it. your radio. This played on your TV. Everywhere. Like this is something that the government was literally throwing at people with zero evidence. The Nixon administration was handed with um, a, a, a study done by a council in which he put together that was to study the uh, essentially the effects of cannabis. And it found that all of the allegations that there was no effect on, on, on productivity, that people did not have a perpetuation for sex, um, that they, they didn't want get violent. And Nixon took that finding and threw it right in the trash without reading it. Uh, so it just goes to show that this isn't, this is, this is stubbornness. This is little dick syndrome. 
and it was a it was a last grab at saving power that, that that as a politician you had to come down hard on crime because especially particularly as an american president you don't have the the control over as in individual states as as perhaps another leader does and cannabis gave the federal government its overreach on all states and that's where nixon would you try to use that intimidation to get that power and apply it to uh to try to save save face unfortunately you know that crook bastard obviously didn't get a whole lot of positive things in the u.s and unfortunately jimmy carter i mean he had good thoughts and good beliefs man but it didn't the the push for cannabis didn't go too far i believe i read something oh, hang on there's google there's a quick edit fuck off google anyways so uh one thing that really is kind of startling to see is the only thing that went through i think they tried to decriminalize an ounce of possession for an ounce but that was really about it it was only once the states started getting involved more did things change I believe, up. yeah i believe yeah. it was michigan was the first state to decriminalize followed by Oregon. That wasn't California? No, California is no. very late. No very shit, late. Michigan was? I'm a Michigan boy and I didn't even know that? You could, you'll, you'll, fact, you'll have to fact check me on that one. I'm almost I think you're thinking about California as being the first to pass for medical. Medical. Right? Probably, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm thinking more. And that's, but that's what I'm saying is it took the states to intervene and to kind of jump into it before it became a reality for a lot of people. And it was really the federal government wasn't about it. And especially moving into the 80s, you know, you got just say no, Reagan. And that's, uh, yeah, didn't really help. I don't know. And, and for the drug addicts of the world who have serious problems, you know, when, when the crack epidemic was a serious issue, just saying no wasn't necessarily the easiest thing for some of these people. They needed real help. And instead they were treated like full criminals and, and prosecuted and, and treated awful. Like when you push forward to 1986, Congress passed the uh, Anti-Drug Abuse Act. So you had mandatory minimum prison sentences for certain drug offenses. In particular, though, higher for crack cocaine, which is notoriously known to be more into the black community, not necessarily with the, uh, it happened to be more with the black community, not necessarily with like people who were, let's say disco people or it's the eighties. So disco wasn't even popping. It's before my time guys, some nineties baby, but whatever well, in was the 80s, you, you also have a, well, you, in the eighties, I believe Reagan goes to the UN and champions and gets a uh, an international committee of over a hundred countries to sign uh, essentially uh, prohibiting cannabis um, and then so now you're seeing the influence of America being put out on the international community affecting hundreds of companies or uh, countries with 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 zero evidence, with zero evidence. And then a lot of us, as a Canadian that I am, we suffered from many years of that war on drugs, mainly because we signed away our authority on it. So technically, it's, it's, it's one of those resolutions that actually puts can, can, Canadians in violation of international law because we legalized the use of cannabis. Yeah, um, well, and like that's where, like I was saying, I was spaced out because I'm stoned. Obviously, the... The medicine is working, <laughs> but uh, you could have five. How this? Uh, what was it? The spaced out here, guys. The the anti drug abuse act. So five grams of crack, you can get an automatic five year sentence, but you can have five hundred grams of powder cocaine to get five years. And literally, that's insane. The that white community makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> data showed that cocaine was more prevalent in white crowds. It just was, and crack was a lot more in the black communities. So what the hell 
like five hundred. You're also grams. getting, and you're getting two to ten years minimum for cannabis. That's insane. Like, the, I mean, people have gone and they spend, you know, fifteen years in prison for manufacturing. And it, like, what did they really do? They grew a little bit of cannabis at home. These people aren't Pablo Escobar. They're not out here trying to do real big things. And while some may were trying to do something on a larger scale. To take away their entire life, I mean, majority of their adulthood or their childhood, even of teenagers, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make any well, sense. I, have you ever heard of the 10 for two? No. There was a, I, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. If you could fact check me, that would be fantastic because I would love to be able to insert it here. Um, but two for 10, he got 10 years for two joints. Uh, he was a Mexican fellow. Uh, oh. I could easily just Google this myself. The biggest problem was the uh, fact that he was a Mexican fellow. They were like, all right, lock him up. That's crazy, man. That's insane. I've smoked four yeah, months since so we started did. this. Thank God we don't live in that 20 generation. <laughs> 20 years I just did of smoking. That's insane. Well, just to fill in while you're searching that up, man, from some... Crazy stats that again makes my stomach hurt to even say the rise in incarcerations of nonviolent drug offenses from 1980 was 500 or 50,000, excuse me, to 400,000 by 1997. 400,000 nonviolent drug offenses, majority of these were misdemeanors. It's just insane that this is what the people protecting us or, or trying to take care of the country are doing. Like these are the people they're incarcerating. And it's basically slave labor. They incarcerate them and they're working for them and they're doing what they're told. Now they don't have to have people running the prisons. Now they've got people with, with cheap labor, privatized prison systems, and it incentivizes them to do these things where we've got non-crazy, non-violent, non-psychopath people that they can have working for them in prison. Like for like a dollar yeah, a what day. I was gonna, yeah, that's what I was going to say is that it's a benefit for the private, private prison system um, is to the more lockups, the more money they make, right? Exactly. You know, in uh, 1990, we'll touch back on what Pidgeot has there because that just makes yeah. my stomach turn. It's crazy, man. But 1990, uh, the Solomon Lautenberg. Lutenberg. It was a Michigan man. Michigan man. What is going on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know my own history. That's sickening. Michigan. Come on, guys. Get it to fucking gather. So they created this amendment that was called in 1990, uh, the Solomon Lautenberg Amendment. Smoke a joint, lose your license. That was the law. A lot of people, mandatory six months driver's license suspension. Smoke a joint, lose your license for six months. But you could be a drunk bastard, and that's totally fine. You could be prescribed Xanax, opiates, no problem there. And at this time, at this time, our children are high on Ritalin, on Prozac. Our country's Adderall. strung out on caffeine, tobacco, and alcohol. But not a single thing is being done about the war, like about these drugs. You know, this war on drugs isn't attacking anything. You know, well, speaking a, of the like war our, on drugs, so the wars that have fueled these drugs, like Afghanistan, these other places where all of a sudden we go to war there and the opiate epidemic comes in. Like you're looking from in the 90s, close to when we were in Iraq even, up to 1999, to between 2018, 1999, 2018, almost 450,000 people died from overdosing on opiates. Straight up opiates. According to the CDC, the rises happened in three different waves. In the 90s, it happened like in like a plague, they were saying, all the way up until 1999. And then it happened again in 2010, like crazy. And the third wave has come in 2013. 
and majority of it's coming from fentanyl. People are dying from fentanyl. And the problem is, is they're marketing this stuff for, you know, helping people who are, let's say, heroin addicts or who've already been doing these harder drugs. Or if you've gotten in a horrific car accident and you're prescribed to something consistently now, you do become hooked on these things. That's okay, though, right? Only just recently has the war on the opiate crisis been a thing. But this was literally fueled by the war on drugs. Literally. I mean, it's insane. I know people who, myself included, put on probation when I was a kid. And the only thing that you could do, and I probably shouldn't have been doing anything as a kid. Let's be real. But I did. Hindsight 2020 was either pills or drink. Or if you could get your hands on it, some Coke. And at that point, are those better alternatives than smoking cannabis that's going to stay in my system for 30 days? I don't think so. Yeah, it's a, gate, it's a gateway drug, bro. It is. It's a gateway <laughs> because of the government. That's why. Because they make things like nope. that easier to obtain, but then it's harder to obtain cannabis because there's so much scrutiny on it. Yeah, zero people have died from cannabis, right? Exactly. Yeah, opioids, uh, you know, what are the numbers you just mentioned? 450,000 people died right. from and it uh, just keeps counting, overdose involvement. Right, yeah. but n- n- nobody's died from cannabis, but families, individuals have been, communities have been destroyed because of cannabis. Exactly. Uh, nobody's died directly because of cannabis, but I bet you there are deaths associated to cannabis that are at the hands of our government and our, 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 our authority, uh, like our enforcement, that ha- or the enforcement that goes into cannabis. I could articulate it that better, but I, I get no, what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, um, dude. It, but that's it, it, where the focus is always on suppressing it. it. Whether it's the information, even down to something like YouTube, it's hard to find something. You can't even try to type something into the search engine, the search bar, and see what recommendations it gives you. A lot of times you don't see much once you type in that word, that magic word that we can't get monetized for. So that's the problem is, is suppressing the information and putting out false information has been the issue in a lot of you know, at least in the U.S., and I'm sure around the, the world it's been, the globe has dealt with a lot of stupidity and ignorance intentionally. Like, they put this in there. It's, it's directed. It's not that they're just totally ignorant. They don't want this to come out. There. They don't want people to be able to take over an industry that they can't control. And that's my belief system, personally. But then so, a lot of these cases, these countries are running, don't, don't have the resources and the technological advancements of the United States and depend upon a nation that leads nations to provide us with valid information and research and studies. And and I, I think it's, there's an argument to say that although ignorance comes into play, we followed a big brother, you know, and, 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 thought there was an there was you know maybe a father figure you know we thought that there was there was guidance to be found but we're clearly led astray oh yeah um, dude but but that knowledge came many decades ago however our countries continue in many cases to enforce this and there are many people that get forgotten about this but the individuals like this war on drugs and if you forget about cannabis even though the war on cannabis has destroyed people there's so many people that have been stuck in a prison cell that need to go to a hospital and these again these characters and these people are destroyed because rather than rather than a a a, a medical future or at least getting 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 healthy isn't an option you're going to prison Yes, there's a lot of lost souls in the story of the war on drugs that get forgotten that'll be never known. 
And uh, that that's 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 one of the most unfortunate things to take away. Oh, yeah, I, I saw one clip. More unfortunate things to from, drop. Yeah, give something positive if you got it. Uh, it's so uh, sad. Not, po- not positive, but... <laughs> nope. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to throw another one. <laughs> but um, yeah, one, one of the clips I saw from the early uh, 2000s, I believe it was, and um, I'm sure people who are watching this have maybe seen it, but basically they raided this guy's house. They found paraphernalia in his trash. So they went through his trash that was laying out on his curb, went through his trash, found some paraphernalia, and then went ahead and just full out busted down his door, shot his dog, killed his dog, um, and then took the guy out in handcuffs. And all he had on the actual, in his house, like a half gram or a gram or something like that, a couple grams, like next to nothing. And uh, his life changed. I mean, he went to jail. I don't know what happened after that, but... Very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. And I'm sure there's thousands of stories. Oh my God, I feel for him. I I had my house raided. It wasn't that bad. I mean, they pepper sprayed my dog. It was over uh, a dude I was friends with, heavy ass air quotes, if you're listening, um, who ended up breaking into my house after I let him stay there, right? Because he was homeless. Let him stay there. Broke into my house, stole some pipes, broke into my mom's room, stole some bud from her because she's, you know, my whole family's been consumers forever. And then uh, proceeded to get busted and then say that he got it all from me at my house. Like I hooked him up with it, right? So they came while I'm at school and I'm in middle school and I get a call saying, bro, your house is getting kicked in. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Don't even mess with me, man. We're in the suburbs. Ain't shit going on. Nope. They were in my house, raiding my house for a metal bowl um, and some roaches and a dime bag of like seedy ass brickweed. The war on drugs. The war on drugs, baby. The no, amount of resources that went into that moment right there. Yeah. Well, for, and, and that's the thing is so some know, some dickhead who really put a lot of emphasis and resources for doing things like this, these raids, was good old G.W. Bush, who now all of a sudden people aren't so mad at anymore. He's, he's a decent guy. I don't know. I thought he was a piece of shit, but I guess he's <laughs> not. So uh, I got a little blackout screen. So uh, in... Uh, his term, by the end of his term, there was about 40,000 military-style SWAT raids on Americans every year. And most of those were nonviolent drugs, nonviolent drug offenders, and they were misdemeanors. 40,000 a year. And what did he get? He got eight years, right? He got reelected. Mm-hmm. That's quite a bit mm-hmm. in America. So attacking the American people on nonviolent misdemeanor drug military-style raids, like literally kicking in your door, dressed as SWAT teams with like bear mace, dog the bounty hunter on steroids like it's just insane to think that that's the kind of stuff that was going on and people were doing it for medical marijuana even you you got a legal country or a legal state which you have an illegal country who it's federally legal so up until 2014 the government was allowed to go in and to raid dispensaries that were operating completely legally and doing everything completely on the up and up but because it's federally illegal it's not on the up and up but it's legal in their state so that they were interfering with it. And there was the, the uh, Cole Memorandum that was actually put out in 2013. And that was by the Justice Department. In 2014, there was uh, the, re- dab, get ready to dab guys, Herrera Backer Far Amendment, as the U.S. House passed it, requiring annual renewal. And it prohibits the Justice Department from interfering with implementation of state medical cannabis laws. Now, unfortunately, the current soon-to-be-passed administration here in the U.S. Uh, got rid of that right away. Immediately, they were like, you know what? Fuck that. We're jumping in if we want to, which is crazy. But one positive thing they did do in 2018 is they passed the farm bill, which now makes it so something that's so innocent as hemp, which was legal for a long time, 
now being legal again because it was illegal for a very long time for no good reason, which is pretty cool. You know, yeah. I think it's been since what nineteen seventy. The farm bill puts like it just essentially opens up the market. Still a massive amount of restrictions. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. It, Even how do you get your it, hemp seeds? Not the ones you put in your food. Mm-mm. No. Uh, and and it, it opens it up for a- agricultural exploitation. Exactly. And, and Big Brother to come in and... Uh, not Big co- Brother, Big Corporate. A little more money. Yeah, Big Corporate to come in and take over. Unfortunately. And that's what C- CBD really spiked, right? Once the farm bill... Um, I mean, I know somebody who... Everybody's um, got CBDs. Yeah, everyone. I know somebody who has a farm. And, um, you know, he's going from, from the growing all the way to the processing. And he even has retail shops and stuff like that. But... CBD, that's all you hear about in the news ever since the, the farm bill mm-hmm. was was passed. Um, you know, it's a good thing, but um, I don't know. It's, it's like people are getting You can't even rent movies. If you physically rent movies still, you can also get CBDs there. Or if you go tanning, you can also get CBDs there. Or if you <laughs> get everywhere. gas, you can also get CBDs mm-hmm. there. Or if you get groceries, <laughs> you can also get CBDs there. It's fucking insane, man. The quality varies. <laughs> But everybody can do yeah. it now, you know, and that's cool. Yeah. Shout out to the administration for doing that, you know, good and bad and a lot. At least they're not Nixon, you know, but the states. And those are supposed are to have, those are supposed to have less than 0.3% THC, right? Yeah. And what they're finding, what, what I found is they're finding um, a lot of them have more than that. So as far as the accuracy of test labs and people falsifying test lab results and stuff like that, uh, I thought that that's, that's pretty interesting. But yeah, less than point mm-hmm. zero. 0.3% THC is what's supposed to be in these CBD products. So you're just selling boof. <laughs> I've seen the uh, flower at the, where I get my Rellos. They got CBD flower for like 40 bucks for a quarter. I'm like, what is that ugly looking shit? That's weird. And then people buy it and smoke it. I'm like, that's cool. Do your thing. You know, but like I was going to say, the states are the different makers. You know, fast forward to now, 2020, the biggest, most, uh, I'd have to say front runner of being progressive in the movement of cannabis and of Really, drugs in general would be Oregon, man. Measure 110, decriminalizing all drugs. We talked about it. We mentioned it. What was going to happen? Well, it hasn't been implemented quite yet, but that's huge. I mean, for some people, it's huge, but it's it's a big pivot from what the federal government's done for so long. And I, I you know, round of applause for changing. We'll see how the people handle it and see how it's implemented. And that's the main difference maker is, is bills and what's said initially compared to how it's implemented usually vary. They don't seem to kind of go hand in hand. And you think it would because that's implementation with a plan, you know, but no, things usually change. You've got counties, you've got, you know, the uh, municipals who will totally change rules. I know where I live, we just got our first medical dispensary and it's still not open. And we've been medical since 2008 and it's 2021 basically. So it just really depends on on where you're at and how things are going. I've seen other states now have passed for recreational and for medical states I didn't expect at all to. So it's been the states that are doing this. And if all of the states can work together, instead of having weird plans and weird bills, this whole war on drugs is not going to be a thing. They won't be able to, ha- there's no war. You know, it's a fight against reality. It's becoming more and more normalized. Um, there's more and more lobbyists. Um, that are for cannabis and, and laws are changing, you know, state by state, like you mentioned. I mean, was it South, South Dakota that passed both medical and rec um, this year, uh, which is historic for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, the more the more it's passed, the more that it's normalized, the more industry that's there, you know, it's going to lead to more and more legalization, which is good. I think yeah. what's important to remember, though, is that there they, it's the war on drugs is only, Unfortunately, going to just 
transition to a war on regulation. The the idea that the government is just going to go entirely hands off cannabis is or drugs entirely is unlikely. Uh, what we're seeing here in Canada, and I can't cannot speak for any other uh, location, is that it's the government. It's it's not it's not a matter of legalization. It's a matter of legalization for who who has access to this legal cannabis. Um, the, the amount of regulations, where you can access it, who you can access it from, the amount you can possess it, if you can grow it, how much you can grow it, where you can take it, where you can consume it. Um, you can't give it to your friends. Uh, you know, there's there's the, the amount of regulations on top of something that just grows on the side of the road and forever has Insane. is incredible. So without without some kind of pushback from the people and Ultimately, at the end of the day, it is be, it is because of the people that have pushed back that you have seen a a you know a, a transformation or a revolution of the government's stance on on cannabis and drugs drugs in general. So, it, be be vigilant, participate in your in your local votes in your local elections, so that you have a voice on the direction of something that affects people people use drugs people needs need use stimulants depressants they, they they need drugs and it's not a matter of getting Coffee. rid of them it's a matter matter drugs. of addressing it and and making it acceptable letting people choose hey, really you always to, got I these really gold nuggets to... pigeon <laughs> it really does go ahead i'd love to know um you know the viewers what you guys think uh, where is the future of cannabis, especially with this new administration, right? I think, um, what was it, Kamala Harris had mentioned and, and Biden, they're, they're looking to decriminalize potentially across the board on a federal avenue. Um, do you think that's actually going to happen or, or no? I'd love to know the thoughts in the comment section below for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. That might be a, another another discussion. That might be for the Twitch channel. You know, speaking of, if you're just checking this out, you didn't see the other episode, depending on when we released this episode, um, about Twitch. We're going to be streaming over on Twitch, doing some live streams so we can engage with you guys more and talk more, shoot this shit a little bit, you know, in a somewhat safer environment. Probably going to do the first one over on Pigeon's channel. And then going forward, we're going to have, uh, was it from the stash.twitch.tv? Something. What do you guys think? What do you guys think? Watching live at www.tv slash from the stash podcast. What do you think? Should we, should, we, should we bring it live? Do you guys want to check it out? Let us know in the comment section below. That would make love sense. Hearing from that you. would make sense. And if you're listening, get into discords. I just got into pigeons. I didn't even realize you got a, a Discord, Chris. Uh, I don't really use Discord now. I didn't at all. Shout out to Green Goblin for turning me on. It to is that. quite robust, amazing, man. Very robust. Ama- I never used it either, but the amount of resources you can pack into one tiny little area is actually pretty amazing. From voice chats to visual chats to garden tours to uh, a, a tiered subscription areas to information and question areas to game locations there's it's it's quite amazing and it's all in one little hub yeah, I, yeah. I know I, i'm new to it as of just a couple months so so maybe we do a discord uh, or i think you already have a discord right rob 420 yeah. growers club discord yeah, yeah, yeah. but and um, twitch, discord, i just jumped in that i think yeah. twitch would be good because we could also do like just smoke sessions or a question and answer i know there's a yeah, lot yeah. of questions that are within the comment section that um i think it would be good to just hang out to a smoke session just answer some questions and hang out with you guys so yeah let us, let know, us know if you want to see that and if we do have one by the time this is released it'll be linked down below for sure yeah and linked. thank you for letting us know if otherwise yeah <laughs> but yeah i think that really covers it uh, you know obviously great like chat, this guys. if you like it always a great chat man always enjoy talking with you guys i'm going to talk to you guys after we hit end still 
because that's how much we talk together for about another 45 minutes you know what i'm saying so i think uh, do you want to join yeah you guys could TV join. slash from the stash boom that it's being coming. said this is rob from cannabis lifestyle tv chris aka mr grow it pigeons 420 we'll see y'all next week